welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. My guest today is Timothy Pollitz. Dr. Pollitz is a research plant pathologist with the USDA ARS Wheat Health Genetics and Quality Research Unit in Pullman. He has been located in Pullman since 2000. He specializes in soil-borne root pathogens of wheat, barley, canola, and rotation crops, both fungal, such as Rhizoctonia, Pythium, and Fusarium, and nematodes, such as the cereal cyst nematode. He is also interested in soil microbiomes and using next-generation sequencing to look at the effects of farming practices on bacterial and fungal communities. Hello, Tim. Hi, Drew. A topic that's uh, gotten a lot of attention on the internet here lately uh, has been glyphosate and its effects on various things, human health, uh, soil health, um, how it might affect the microbes in the soil. What are some of the claims that uh, you've heard being made about the harmful effects of glyphosate? Yeah, well, it, it's interesting, Drew. I mean, glyphosate's been around for about 40 years, uh, probably the most widely used uh, herbicide in the world, and has generally been considered safe uh, for a, a few reasons. One is that it, it very quickly binds the soil particles so it's not moved in the water or in the groundwater. Um, it also has a, a site or mode of action of an enzyme that's only uh, present in bacteria, fungi, and plants and, and not in animals. And so the, the toxicity of it in that respect has been fairly low. But for the last, uh, probably I'd say at least 10 years or maybe longer, there's been a lot of things on the web that make claims of harmful effects of glyphosate. About 10 years ago, uh, there was a professor, retired professor uh, named Don Huber from Purdue that made a series of claims. Uh, and he, he even wrote a letter to the Secretary of Agriculture about his concerns. Uh, and then there was also a researcher, Robert Kramer, uh, from USDA in Missouri that did a lot of uh, work in this area. And so what I'll, I'll try to do is maybe cover some of those claims. And a lot of these just came up in an article uh, this last November in No-Till magazine uh, asking the question, uh, what, what harm is, is glyphosate uh, doing to your, to your cropping system. So uh, there's a lot of claims that have been made. One of the ones that had a lot of controversy when Roundup Ready soybean first came out was this idea that uh, Roundup Ready soybeans were more susceptible to fusarium diseases than others, that there was somehow an inherent susceptibility and somehow glyphosate increased uh, diseases. And the thing about a lot of this research is that, again, they just did not have the technology at the time to really answer these questions. So it's not that I, I think that they, you know, came up with erroneous things based on whatever. But I think that, so for example, in the case of the, uh, the Roundup Ready soybean, they did not have ISO lines. So they didn't have lines where you had the gene and didn't have the gene. So you're really comparing uh, lines with different genetic backgrounds and coming to those conclusions. Um, so again, if you look in the literature, you'll see papers and like a lot of things that go both ways. Some papers claim increased disease, some uh, papers claim decreased disease. So, um, you know, it's, it's not uh, one, one uh, thing out there. But, but certainly uh, all the claims that I've seen of diseases really haven't been 
substantiated. Another claim that they made was that glyphosate, uh, because it can act as a chelator, was causing uh, nutrient deficiencies in soybean, uh, specifically manganese deficiencies. Um, and that has also been uh, disputed with, with different scientific um, studies. And I think that the, it really boils down to the fact that glyphosate in the environment, uh, we're talking about parts per billion or parts per million. Um, and so even if you had the glyphosate out there, even if it was chelating, the amount of those nutrients in the soil are going to be many, many times greater than the concentrations of the glyphosate you're using. And of course, the other thing is we don't have Roundup-ready wheat, uh, unlike soybeans, so that, that argument uh, would, wouldn't hold there. Uh, there's been a lot of other arguments, such as um, that somehow the DNA from uh, the plant can be transformed into bacteria and cause problems. Um, that one hasn't really um, uh, found, found any evidence. Um, so in general, when looking at all those um, claims, I think the one that does have the most importance is the green bridge. And this is the idea that when you're spraying out the weeds, uh, that they can then be a reservoir for soil-borne pathogens. So if you plant too soon after you spray, then you're going to have increased disease. So that, that effect is real, and I would call that maybe an uh, indirect effect uh, uh, via the plant. Um, and then you'll also see a lot of, um, of controversy in terms of health uh, claims, and I'm really not qualified to, to make comments on those. I'm, I'm not a physician, but... Uh, a lot of that focuses on the possible effects on the human gut microbiome. Um, there's been a lot of studies which have detected uh, low levels of glyphosate uh, in, in certain food products. Uh, it's well below the threshold uh, for regulation, but it's still there nevertheless, and that's uh, giving some people concern. But my research, in, which we'll talk about in a minute here, really focuses in on the effects on the soil microbes. And, and so that's, that's really what I have the uh, qualifications to look at. Okay, so let's talk about that research. You've uh, been recently investigating how glyphosate affects soil microbes. Uh, what have you been finding? This is a question that has been posed by growers, especially direct seed growers, uh, for the last 10 years. Um, and again, they've read things on the web that talk about that glyphosate may be harmful to beneficial soil microorganisms, that glyphosate could increase disease, uh, that glyphosate could chelate things like manganese and cause deficiencies. And at that time, I had to tell them that, and I looked at all the data that had been published up to that point, I had to say that we really can't answer that question on microbial communities. And part of that was because Microbial communities are extremely complex. Uh, you know, one gram of soil or a pinch of soil may contain billions of bacterial cells and thousands of bacterial species and thousands of fungal species. But at the time, the only thing we could really do is to try to culture them out, grow them in the lab, and then identify them. And so you're really only looking at uh, maybe 1% of the total community that was out there. So about seven years ago, um, new DNA technology uh, was developed that enabled you to take a single soil sample and sequence thousands of DNA sequences and then specifically identify uh, the organism that produced those sequences. And so now we could go into uh, communities and look at all the bacteria, 
identify thousands of species, uh, thousands of species of fungi. So then we really had the tools to, to try to answer this question. So about four years ago, we initiated this study where we went to four uh, long-term direct seed growers in the different uh, rainfall zones. So we had one field in near Genesee, a field near Colfax, a field near St. John, and then one out toward Ritzville to, to try to cover all the cropping systems. And we went to those fields and we sampled uh, a field that had been in glyphosate use for, for over 20 years. And adjacent to that was a CRP that had never had a history of glyphosate. And so we wanted to compare the two communities, one that had seen glyphosate and one that hadn't. So we brought that soil into the greenhouse, uh, split it up into two treatments. One treatment will uh, plant wheat and then spray it out with glyphosate. Uh, the other one will just cut the, um, the, the crowns off at the end of the experiment. And what we would then do is sample uh, the soil and also the soil around the root, um, uh, which we call the rhizosphere soil. So we did that through six different cycles. So we would plant the wheat, uh, and then at the end, uh, after three weeks, kill it, and then sample, and then go back again and replant. So we have kind of six successive cycles of this. And then I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on, on the technique and everything, but what we essentially found was if we compare these communities to each other, the biggest driver that affects them is the location. So obviously the communities in Genesee look very different from the communities in Ritzville. The next biggest thing was comparing the agriculturally cropped land to the CRP. And as you would expect, they're very, very different communities, uh, different plants growing in them. And we also found even a big effect of communities if you're looking out in the soil versus right next to the root. And that's because the plant is exuding compounds that feed the, uh, the bacteria in a very, very different community. But then when we looked at glyphosate, the effect that it had, it was very, very minor, much, much less than, than any of these other um, factors. And then we asked the question, okay, of all those thousands of species of bacteria that we have out there, are any of them significantly increased or decreased by glyphosate use, and we found less than 1% of them were, and in fact, most of them were increased by glyphosate use. And out of, so one of the things we thought about is this because microbes can utilize the glyphosate as a food source and break it down. But we think rather it's, it, it's really a green bridge phenomenon because in the glyphosate treatment, you have a lot of dying roots and these bacteria like to, to live on dying roots. Uh, another interesting thing we found is that there seemed to be more responsive bacteria in the fields that had a history of glyphosate use compared to those that didn't. And this kind of makes sense too because microorganisms can adapt uh, to, to different things. So the take home message from that was we really didn't see any major effect of, uh, of bacteria. And then we did the same thing with fungi and uh, found uh, pretty similar uh, effects. Um, uh, and then finally, we did this one interesting experiment where we wanted to see what happens to the fungi in a root as it's dying after you've treated it with glyphosate. So we sampled the roots before and then after at various times, one week, two weeks, three weeks. And we found what we would expect with the glyphosate and that there was a green bridge effect where there was a 
species of pythium that really liked that dying root and started to increase. And then over time, other uh, fungi would colonize them and start to, to decrease it. Um, so that was another interesting study. And the last thing I'll, I'll mention is that we're also doing something called network analysis. So this not only asks who's out there, but what are their relationships with each other? Uh, are there uh, competitive interactions? Are there negative interactions positive? In doing that, we did find some uh, subtle effects on uh, the networks where even though we didn't find big differences in the abundance, uh, some of the treatments did change the network structure. So in other words, how they interact. And this kind of also makes sense because if you have a dying root, uh, you can have organisms competing with each other uh, with a negative interaction, which might not happen without the dying root. So I think, again, the, the fact that we have dying roots really explains a lot of these uh, phenomena that we're seeing. But, but this, I think, is the, is the best study so far out there and the first one that has really used this technology to get at this question. Now, there's another group in Beltsville, also a USDA group, that is doing a similar study with corn and soybean, and they're coming up with pretty similar results, although they're a bit further behind than we are in terms of publishing. So the take-home lesson seems to be that uh, glyphosate is really having very minor effects on soil microbes, and I would say that the risk to the growers are, are probably higher for either Greenbridge uh, and then also the development of resistant weeds. And, of course, Drew, I'm sure, can speak for a long time on, on trying to keep uh, from developing glyphosate-resistant weeds. So, so that, in a, a nutshell, is kind of our, our findings. That's very interesting work, and I hope I can have you back on to talk a little more in detail on yep. that because I think there is a lot of interest out there yep. on this and, like I said, a lot of, um, let's say, not necessarily reputable information on the web. And so getting some real science behind this, I think, is going to be very valuable. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. Subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.